I'm Phil DeLuca. <laughs> I'm Shivan Butt. <laughs> Didn't even get through that. I'm laughing. See? Hey, man. Cowboy Bebop. It rules all. And we are commander. No, that's okay. That's all. That's all editable into into something good. I mean, you you've heard this show. It's 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 I'm... listenable after we do an editing pass. <laughs> Listeners, you rock. But boy, do we do a lot for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, David has heard all of it too. Thanks for listening, everybody. We put a spotlight on community issues, but never, ever talk about three banned topics. Religion. Unless I'm on. Politics. (laughs) And Hearthstone. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. Well, if you like listening to the podcast, the best way to support us, and it exposes us to new people, so please take the time to go do this. Give us a five-star reading wherever it is you get your podcasts. It's really helpful when you do that. We do. We percolate up to the top. It's really kind of cool. The other way is just to tell a friend directly. You just send them our link. There are multiple ways to share it on uh, mobile devices if you're listening that way. Or just the web link if you're up on our webpage. Just send it to a friend. Make them listen. Sit them down. Make them listen. And if you really, really like the show... Like our practically new co-host, David Mitchell, (laughs) visit patreon.com slash commander at MTG and just donate even a buck a show. It is immensely helpful. You have no idea because then we can actually pay our editors and maybe even have time to make a video or two. It's great. Just remember, my friends, one less pack a month and you can support four shows we do because... It's just one less pack of magic cards to get all this amazing free content. You're helping you. You're helping the entire community. All we can ask, just one pack, one magic pack a month. <laughs> Is that too much to ask? For some, it might be. Yeah, for some, for some people, that's that's a bridge too far. <laughs> I mean, seriously, how many more Ixalans do you need? You have all the Ixalans. There's 400 <laughs> Legion Conquistadors on your desk, staring back at you. One less pack, and you could support us. Make the right call. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. We have a wonderful show lined up for you, and today we're going to tackle part three of our new Commander Players Level Up Moments uh, series, if you will. Is this the first show that we've done for three episodes running? It it certainly is since you joined us, and I think the only ones that came close were like Jason Alt visits, maybe even oh, and and Ethan Fleischer had a couple of marathon sessions with us, hmm. um, and and like Gavin Fair. said, oh, and Gavin Verhey, of course, and like Gavin said, you know, his body kind of gets used to spending, gets gets ready and primed for <laughs> spending six hours with us in order to record our episodes. I mean, to be fair, Gavin's kind of just a new co-host. He just shows up once a quarter, but boy, he makes the most of it. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's almost Gavin time, isn't it? You know, it's it's always Gavin Samasa. <laughs> well, if listeners want to hear the first two parts of this series, they would go back to episode 125 and episode 127. And you can just search our website for new players and both of those will come up previously we also did an episode that we entitled noobs in commander in episode 88 and it covered some of these topics but not in as much detail as we're doing and this series wouldn't exist if it weren't for david mitchell both super patron and super quasi co-host thank you thank you and uh yeah, so welcome back to the show, and I'm I'm really grateful we've gotten to know you over these shows, and certainly it's not going to be the last time I think we talk to you. So. No, I hope not. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's fun. Now, a couple of our listeners might just be tuning in. We actually get several hundred new listeners each show, so would you mind reintroducing yourself? Just, just pretend they didn't hear about your magic history. 
Ah, well, my name is David Mitchell. I live just outside of uh, Niagara Falls in Canada, the frozen white north. Uh, I've been playing Magic for about three years now, and Commander is my only format. Even though I have had a few dalliances with other formats, Commander is the one that is, is near and dear to my heart. What dalliances are those? Someone tried to introduce me to Modern, and I, I didn't like it. And early on, I started playing Standard, which was when I discovered that I just didn't really want to mess with the time needed to maintain a good standard deck it is a it's a constant affair right it's it's absolutely brutal i came into it just as origins was about halfway through and i loved the cards and it was fun playing with them but then when they rotated out i had to buy new cards the deck didn't work i needed a new theme now and it was just too much work so was commander you get to keep your deck it, it never gets old or stale very rarely does a card get banned or removed yeah i mean i have a modern deck and i have a popper deck because I enjoy playing elves in multiples, which is something Commander doesn't let me do. But that's about it, because otherwise, Commander, it lets you play all the cards you want all the time. <laughs> and, and one of the things I like about Commander is the variance. I've, I noticed when I when you play a standard format or, or any format that's got a 60-card deck, you're playing the same cards over and over and over again, and it's almost, <laughs> it's routine at that point. It's no longer, you're no longer responding to something unusual happening. <laughs> yeah. The, the hilariousness, of course, being that variance is like the main bane of all constructed magic players, except for us. Exactly. And they're like, we need to have as few cards as possible. We need to thin our decks. We need to tutor. We need to make sure that every time I play is exactly the same and I win. And Commander's like, meh, eh, whatever. <laughs> I think there's a combo in my deck, maybe. Or maybe there isn't. Who cares? Whatever. Just here's, here's a Sol Ring. Happy birthday. Well, this discussion of uh, variance is actually one of the new player moments. I think we did. We talk about it. Yeah, we talked about it last time. It's hard to remember listeners because we've uh, been doing this for so long. So we will pick up where we left off. But this week we want to call out three patrons like we always do. And I'll do my best. I can't do a Scandinavian impression like Sean. Thank you very much. New patrons, John Rogers, Eric Rumfelt, and Zach Taylor. I'm thinking we need to do something special when it comes to uh, talking to and about our patrons. So if you're a patron of the show or want to be, join up, and I think we'll be doing something really fun. Now, before we get into our actual news, astute listeners have detected a distinct lack of British Commonwealth accents on the show specifically top of the morning matey <laughs> that's that's the wrong country oh uh uh evening governor there you uh, go can i interest you in a cuppa i do believe my one direction is here my god it's like sean is actually here mushy peas and fish <laughs> Yes, here with an update on Sean's whereabouts and activities is fellow British Commonwealther David Mitchell. David, what is Sean up to? Uh, he is out scouring the countryside for new tutors. Oh, <laughs> fair. New tutors. So, you think uh, you think he was inspired by his appearance on the Brothers War podcast? Don't you? I have a strong suspicion. Yes. Is he finding all the tutors? Uh, is it tutor with a D or or a T? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, he's British. I think he knows where all the two doors are. And the two doors and the four doors and the fjorders and the... Uh, yeah, I think they call them fodors. Fodors. Us. <laughs> fodoras. So, yeah, if you are lacking Sean Watson, like if you need more Sean Watson in your life, he was on episode 38 of the Brothers War podcast. And Sean does, in fact, discuss... Tutors in Commander, not two doors, but tutors in Commander, and uh, also has a very special EDH rec that is hilarious. So if you want more Sean, go over there, check them out. They're really good guys. That's uh, Ryan and CJ and uh, at least partly AJ once in a while. Go uh, take a listen. They're really good people. And listeners, have we got a treat for you. If you want more Shivam in your life, guess where you can go? Probably right here, but <laughs> if you're not in your car listening to us 
then uh, I'm actually really excited to announce that as of our recording, I have just started writing for Card Kingdom, which is a, uh, a lovely store out of Seattle, and they have a lot of content that they've just started really rolling out. It's a really cool group of people, and they contacted me asking me to uh, write a couple of blog posts for them once in a while, and I took it up because I really enjoy talking about and writing about magic, so it's really neat. And my first post is up there. It's about my first ever interaction and introduction to magic and my forever enmity with Sheevan Dragon because it spelled my name wrong. And so, <laughs> yeah, so I plan on uh, writing a bunch of really cool stories and just interesting tales about magic. And if you're actually looking to learn or find something about how to build a better deck or something about how to make your game better or what cards to buy, you probably shouldn't read anything I write because that's not really what I know how to do. <laughs> but what I do is talk about the culture of magic and I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're, we've got a link in the show notes. We'll put it with the uh, episode on our website yeah. and I hope you do check it out. So listeners, go check it out. The link, as he said, is in the show notes. It's also going to be embedded somewhere in the MP3, but no one actually does that. Yeah. If this is a video, then the link has already been flashing in incredibly garish colors <laughs> by this point. Of course, if you want more Shivam, still, if that's not enough, if listening to Shivam isn't enough, if reading Shivam's blog, his Twitter feeds, multiple feeds, and Talenthas on, what is what is that service? Tumblr, LiveJournal. On Tumblr. MySpace, I've got them all. Goodness gracious. You can always tune in to the Command Zone episode 200. These guys have done 200 episodes already. It's absolutely amazing. Shivam has a story on that episode, and they have gave me a couple of seconds as well. So you'll get to see both of us. We both did a video for them. So go up to uh, Command Zone on YouTube. We'll put the link as well, and it's episode 200, and watch the whole thing. It's a really good episode. Oh, yes. Uh, friend of the show, Victor Adame, does a video at the end, which had me rolling on the floor yeah. laughing. Uh, no, episode 200 from the Command Zone is a wonderful celebration of our favorite format. And I really want to congratulate the two guys, Jimmy and Josh, for doing such an incredible job for so long. They've supported us and helped us out too. And uh, one thing I like about the Commander community is that we all support each other. And I think that episode especially just shows off how much we all really just love Commander. So yeah, yeah it's totally worth checking out. And... Our friends at the Commander's Brew, Andy and Sean, will be kickstarting their own video show, and Ooh. we have something planned for that. We're going to have them on. We're probably going to be on. Who knows? Maybe Shivam and I will fly to Toronto to be on their video show. Oh, please do. I'd love to meet you guys. Wouldn't that be that cool? That would be awesome. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Um, I do love Toronto. Yeah, see? See? Gets appealing. But we'll see. That's totally up to them. I mean, we're not going to force them into anything. I'm just going to keep badgering them. <laughs> um, okay so i think we're ready to get on with the show are you guys ready yes i am all right so last time we talked about some of the ways to improve our decks and to improve our gameplay as new players right and we discussed a couple of level up moments and we started getting into ways to make your deck better but we had to stop because this is like a big conversation so would one of you like to take this? David, this was one of your specials, I think. So one of your one of one of the areas that was closest to your Ex heart. Exactly, yeah. It's also something you don't really notice until after you've had like at least a dozen games under your belt. Because you, you can't really know what the weakness is until you experience it. And one of the problems is there's just so much variance, like we talked about. You might not even know you have a weakness until game, you know, 20, 30, or 40. But myself, like one of my major level up moments was uh, after I had built my first deck, I noticed there was a lot of uh, stuff coming back out of graveyards. And I was thinking to myself, uh, this was just, I think it was 2015 had just come out, that commander set, and everybody was playing with Marin. And things were just coming back out of graveyards, and I, and I didn't like that. So realizing that I need to <laughs> needed to find an answer... I ended up doing a search, found a few cards, put them in, made some, uh, some some changes. And it was over time that as I realized what people were playing, I was able to you know just figure out what needed to be done and then try and find cards that would do those things. So in some cases, like a Bajuka Bog. And I think Leyline of the Void 
was an, was another one. <laughs> yeah, that that's a hell of a good medical. And and so like when you have that in your opening hand, the Marin player just scoops and walks away and goes play somewhere else, right? <laughs> so but it's it's one of those things that like you know as a new player it's it's really hard to try and figure out what you need to do and then how to figure out how to do that if i may uh step in for just a moment i think that 20 or 30 games is maybe you don't need to have quite that many games to understand what's wrong with your deck i think really with commander after about four or five games you kind of have a feeling of what am I missing, generally speaking, if not specific cards, at least categories of, like, for instance, in one of my decks, I was playing a tokens deck, and I realized that after, like, two or three games, that my biggest weakness was getting hit by Wrath, or getting hit by Pyroclasms, or getting hit by Board Wipes, right? So, and because when a token deck gets wiped out, you have to be able to rebuild really quickly, or you have to protect what you've got. And I realized that I was missing cards to make my things indestructible or protection from, you know, damage or what have you. And it didn't take 20 games for me to realize that the core method of my deck was not going to work unless I added like rootbound defenses or something. I, I agree. 20 may have been an exaggeration, but even still after 20 games, you're still figuring things out. Like if you don't play, if sorry, if you do play with the same people over and over again, and you play with the same decks Fair. over and over again, then you might not be exposed to weaknesses that they're not exploiting. Yeah. yeah. So, so what you were, what you were talking about there is denying somebody a resource and it becomes pretty important, the graveyard specifically, right? And it becomes pretty important to understand if you yourself were being denied a resource, right? Mm. So maybe if you are trying to use the graveyard because you lucked out and have a Marin deck or you have somebody else that uses the graveyard as your commander, then you do need to figure out ways to protect the graveyard, yeah. right? Maybe it's also uh, if you're playing an artifact-centric deck, you need more artifacts. Or if you're playing a commander that really likes creatures like Surak, right? Then... Maybe you need more creatures. I've actually played decks where having 30 creatures wasn't enough because it's so reliant on creatures. We needed 40 creatures. And sometimes in your deck construction, you can get a little zealous with your theme that you think you need to have so many card support that you actually go too far. Yeah. And you can tell early on that not just what you're missing, but what do you have too much of? Like, do you really need to have 15 ramp spells? Because you might hit a point in your game where you have more ramp spells and lands to pull. And so these are things that are good to take into consideration after the first handful of games you play. Because speaking for myself, I don't think I've played any of my decks for 20 sessions because I either get too bored of them before then or I just don't play hmm. all that yeah. much. See, that's that's where yeah, you so... need more decks then. <laughs> yeah, I that's what... will never deny that. <laughs> so one of, one of the, the uh, there are some key resources to the game beyond just the graveyard. So the, the first question you ask is, did I have enough mana to do what I needed yes, to do? Yes, and yes, yes. And we talked about the land. We gave you a two formulas that you can use to figure out if you have enough land, but you also really need artifact mana, right? Soul rings and dark steel ingots, which even though those are... You know, Dark Steel Ingot is like, well, it does nothing special because you can't sacrifice it like a commander's fear. It's indestructible, right? And that helps you because Vandal Blast is a real thing. And so you need more mana. You put more mana rocks in there or mana dorks. Another resource, key resource of the game is your cards. You want to draw more than one card a turn if you can. Mm. And if the question is, did you find yourself running out of cards? The worst situation in the world in commander is when you're top decking and the board state is not in your favor and so you're going to need to get more cards somehow and if those first two things that phil just mentioned apply to you ask yourself am i playing boros why am i playing boros <laughs> yeah but even boros uh you can load it up with mana rocks enough that you can kind of overcome the mana issue and then the cards you're just you're kind of in a lot yeah, of trouble good luck but there there are now red answers at least so maybe uh wheel of fortune <laughs> well there's wheel of fortune of course but there's a you know, which is a now an 80 dollar card but oh my God. the the new cards like sunbird's invocation right the six mana crazy enchantment that lets you just cast stuff for free whenever you cast a spell if you hit something with a cmc lower than that 
So look at alternate ways to get card advantage or to get extra cards per turn. Itali, may we suggest that, goes into your red decks. Were you able to recover, as Shiva mentioned, if you're running a token-heavy deck, can you recover from board wipes? If you can't recover after a board wipe, that's a major weakness, and you either have to be able to switch into a control mode until you can, or you have to recover fast. And another odd resource that we don't always consider is, did I rely too much or even not enough on my commander? How did my commander interact with my deck? Was it necessary to have my commander out in order to do anything with the deck? If it yeah. was, you might have a problem. That's a very good point. Yeah, it's uh, there's a, there, yeah, there's a lot of decks out there that are very commander specific that, you know, they have to be out there for your, your deck to do anything. And if you're building a deck like that, then yes, it's understandable if you want to draw or, you know, every time you draw, you deal damage, things like that. I've played games where the commander is only there because those are the colors I needed. Not, not, right. not because my commander was important to the deck. It was just, I wanted, you know, red, black, white, or for instance. Yeah. Josh Lee Kwai from the Command Zone is famous for using a Child of Alara deck that is actually secretly a Nekusar deck. I, I believe it's a, that's his Nekusar deck. And it's it's really nasty, but he only brings out Child of Alara basically when the situation is dire. And But even then, Child of Alara is fulfilling the role of kind of a board wipe, right? right? So if you're going to use the commander just for the colors, think about making sure that that commander has a really good effect that changes the board state because then you're denying yourself a resource and that your commander is an always accessible card so it's pretty important whether or not you you rely on its strategy it's still something that you should always uh, keep in mind right yeah basically if you're not going to use your commander for your commander think about it as a reusable etb spell that you can use whenever you need to right so Child of Lara is basically a wrath on command, which is pretty helpful. Yeah. But there's lots of commanders like that. If you're not planning on using them as your main theme, at least make it not just, you know, Jedi Ojanin or something <laughs> like a big blank vanilla. In in my case, uh, the deck I was thinking of is uh, Croesus the Purger. And mm. I built a curse. I yeah. built a curse deck around his colors. He has a six-six flyer, so he's you know he, he does do damage. And I figured if I ever had to use him, I could use him to you know dump some cards out of people's hands. And it has come in very handy. Yeah. You know, and I never expect to win with a curse deck because when people realize what I'm doing, they want me out as fast as possible. <laughs> so uh, curse deck. Wow. It's 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 hilarious. But uh, yes, yeah. th there wasn't really much need for a deck centric commander. I just needed something that that could protect me if I needed to. Yeah. And uh, so in that case, your commander is kind of serving as your plan B. And it's a good plan B. It's like, all right, you're not going to let me do this? Well, how about this? <laughs> I've seen uh, the first Super Friends deck, Planeswalker deck I ever ran up against, was headed by the Sliver Overlord. And I kept expecting to see Slivers, but instead I saw Planeswalkers until we <laughs> denied him his Planeswalkers. And then it was like, all right. You asked for this. Here we go. And then he, he whooped us with the slivers. It was funny. <laughs> so one of the other things to consider when you're looking over your deck's weaknesses, not just denial of resources, but were you pinned, if you will, by a type of or even a specific permanent, right? Something like ghostly prison or propaganda. Does that harm you? If you're running a tokens deck, Shivam knows Ghostly Prison and Propaganda really make you sad. God, I hate um, those cards. <laughs> um, and if you're running a targetable Voltron, right, some kind of big creature, Maze of Ith and cards like that, that's really the, the new one, which is Thaumatic Compass. Those are really going to hurt you. You have to figure out ways to get rid of them. Blind Obedience, all your stuff comes in into play tapped. Elish Norn, all your stuff when your opponent plays that, minus Dies. two, minus two. It's just horrible. It's terrible. So you have to think about having answers for that. So if you build this really neat token deck and you run headlong into a ghostly prison followed by an Elish Norn, maybe you figure out <laughs> what cards you can pull in order to do removal. I'm oh. trying to imagine that deck that's running Elish Norn and ghostly prison, and I'm just hating that person right now. That person yeah. who doesn't exist, but... Yeah. I hate you, phantom person running Elish Norn and Ghostly Prison. Oh, Shivan. no, that person exists, Shiva. <laughs> I'm raising my hand right now. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Remember, he runs Cure Great Glass Spinner. He runs Ghostly Prison and Elish Norn. God, what a miserable... <laughs> I'm just, like, fuming right now. <laughs> so 
Think about each of those issues and whether or not your cards can help you with them. And if a card, if you have a card in your deck that doesn't in some way help with that, maybe you can replace it with something that is going to help you. Maybe more removal, maybe more mana rocks, maybe um, more board wipes yourself, right? Maybe more token generators. Something else to consider as you're considering ways to make your deck better. Are your cards too conditional? Right? Do you ever draw a card and go like, oh, I hate this card, or, oh, this card doesn't help, right? If you do, sure, maybe if it's a specialized card like another Mana Rock, yeah, but you need those. So if you draw a card and you end up holding it, waiting for the perfect moment, what is that moment? Actually, that's a really good point that I actually was planning on bringing up later, but now's a good time. One of the tests that I have when I'm playing a brand new deck or a deck in its first three or four playthroughs is if I draw a card, do I feel regret that it's in my hand or do I feel like there's some place I can use this? Because if I've got a card that's sitting in my hand the whole game or has like never found a place, then I know that's marked for deletion and I can replace yeah. it with something that might actually help. When you're building a deck, there's so many pie-in-the-sky ideas you have of like, oh, this is going to be great with this combo or this other a very specific set of instances that I know for sure is going to happen in my 100-card singleton deck, but almost doesn't, like, never does unless you specifically set it up. Yeah. And you're looking at these cards, and you're like, you know, this could be a mono rock, and I would be so much happier. Or it could be, you know, a removal spell, or even any 2-2 creature would be better than this thing in my hand. <laughs> and if you're sitting there with that thought then that's a card you should just sit there and slot to the back of your deck and just say, when I'm going for upgrades, this should be one of the ones I pull out. I've been there a few times. How? It was one of my early decks, uh, my Mariki Reberay deck, and there was uh, a card. It was protection. It was one of the protection cards, so protection from red, uh, blue, and, and whatnot. I noticed uh, someone had a, uh, a Niv-Mizzet commander and would never let me play Mariki. He'd draw a card, hit Mariki for one, and dead. And so I started putting protection cards in my deck. And then after like the meta changed and I started playing different people and was able to tune the deck a little bit better, I noticed those cards weren't doing anything anymore because I had different, you know, I had maybe a Swift Foot Boots or Lightning Greaves. And so I, I draw the card and like, well, this is useless. I, d I don't want this card anymore. It, it's that exact moment. It's you realize, okay, this could be something else. It's something better. Yeah, exactly. Exactly it. When um, If you find yourself drawing a card and wishing it was a Signet, for example, it's probably a good candidate to remove. And not that you were wishing it was a Signet in that particular case, but it's like, that's kind of the standard. If you're like, wow, I wish this were anything else. Maybe it should be. Then cards that work against your strategy, right? Like, <laughs> why are they in your deck? It's funny to think of it that way, but when... I'm playing Itali. What I've done is I've removed a, a lot of cards that say, you know, at first at blush, it was like, oh, this will be really cool. It says when you cast it from your hand or if you cast it from your hand, do this. And then I'm like, actually, that's a fail condition, right? Like I failed if I'm casting any particular spell from my hand. Sometimes it's necessary because you always have a, a grip of cards. But really, the strategy is to get things off the top of your deck. So... You have to go back in and, and figure out what cards contradict your strategy. And remove them! Very, very true. Like, for instance, just saying, if you're running a tokens deck, maybe you don't want Pyroclasm. <laughs> <laughs> for example. I mean, yeah. that's an extreme example. But, like, there's sometimes there's cards that you put into your deck because they're either staples or yeah. they're just like, oh, this is an effect I need. This is something that every commander deck needs. And then you realize, oh, wait, this destroys all all of the things I have in play that Oops. do something, you know, and then you, re I mean, you have to be careful about that. You don't see that the first time, but it's important to realize that, oh, I've got a theme in mind and maybe every staple is not perfect for my theme. Yeah, exactly. So when you're selecting replacements for these cards, uh, one of the things I was taught, frankly, early on is that each card should probably serve a couple of different roles. So if you draw something and you're like, oh, this only does one thing and that doesn't help me right now, consider replacing it with a card that has a similar or the same effect but also does something else. There, there are cards that are also really, they're at the staple level for their colors, like Acidic Slime, right? And you're yes. like, five mana for a 2-2, why would I do that? Well, 
Acidic slime, when it enters the battlefield, it destroys one of those pesky artifacts or enchantments or a land. And those are the ones that'll tie you down. If you've got a commander that relies on getting in and causing damage, you want to kill Maze of Ith, right? Or if you need to get in and attack really fast, you want to kill the Blind Obedience, right? So, and, and then there are artifact examples and so on. And Acidic Slime gets rid of each of those once, unless you can bounce it or recur it. And it's a 2-2 Death Toucher, which means they're not going to come over with their 10-10 unless it's indestructible, right? Mm-hmm. That's always funny when somebody comes in with some big trampler and you can flash in a Death Toucher. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's totally separate. Boros Charm is another great one, and I know Shivam loves Boros Charm. I love Boros Charm. It can either get that last, you know, four point of damage in, or in my favorite case, it makes everything on your team indestructible. Mm. I mean, these utility cards that have multiple different choices are just so good. Like, what were those ones that were released in two commander sets ago? Fiery Confluence, I think it was. And like, The Confluences, yeah. Yeah, the Confluences. Those are incredible cards because in one color, these things give you three or four different choices on the card. And the ability to use the same choice more than once, which is just yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Like cards like that that have multiple utility. Now, I'm not saying that every card you have should have two or three different things to do. Because sometimes the Sword Supply Shares is just a Sword Supply Shares. And that's all you need it to be. But when you're looking at like your generic cards or your filler cards or something like that, if you've got an effect that's super situational, it's good to try to tie it to an effect that is more general as well. Like, for instance, um, Relic of Progenitus is a good example, right? Because That's a good one, yeah. You can either use it to blow away all the graveyards to stop, you know, your Marin decks or whatever, or in the case that you don't need that, you can always just stop the one flashback card a guy's got or the one Snapcatcher target or something. It's utility that's also not just stuck. Yeah. And to be clear, in order to stop the flashback, you have to use it before they activate the flashback ability. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. yes. No, that's okay. Along that same line, right, the confluences are basically like charms, which have multiple modes, right? Mm-hmm. They're also like the commands, the most famous of which, and I know David uses this one. Colligan's um, command? Yeah, Colligan's command. The poster child is cryptic command. That one reached a $25 mark at some point. That is the ultimate utility card. You can either uh, counter a spell, bounce a creature, tap all the creatures, or draw a card. This is just like the baseline for ultimate utility. Every command that they've put out, including the ones that came out in Dragons of Tarkir, are all just phenomenal. And if your colors can run them, they're worth your time just because they handle so many different tasks all in one go. For listeners who have somehow evaded knowing or seeing a cryptic command, which, by the way, is now a $35 card. So it's even higher than I remembered it being counter target spell or return target permanent to its owner's hand or tap all creatures your opponent's control which is a blowout by the way that's a win condition yeah it is it's a total win condition or you draw a card and you choose two of those right it's awesome and there's so many cards like that if you're playing unmander the very cryptic command is absurd (laughs) all six of them all six of them yeah we're not gonna read them out but they're great but really, all of the commands, Cryptic Command, uh, Primal Command, yeah. Profane Command, really just such yeah. fantastic utility. And Magic is full of these types of cards. So when you're selecting replacements, it's not even just that you're selecting cards that do the twofer, but everybody, and I, I don't know, Shivam, if you recall when I came to visit in San Francisco. But oh, I recall. All of my decks have a couple of extra cards with them that were kind of the close cuts. That's like five to ten of my almost good buddies. And then depending on how a card performs, I might realize like, oh, this card actually doesn't help my strategy, and then replace it with one of my close cuts to evaluate that. So my decks are constantly evaluating, or I should say, I am constantly evaluating the performance of my cards in my deck. That's actually a really cool idea that I never thought of before. I actually like that idea a lot because it keeps it fresh of mind. Because one of the problems when you're playing Commander and you're like, oh, this card sucks, uh, is that you put it back in your deck box, you go home, and then you forget about it. Yeah. And the idea of, like, oh, I was thinking about putting in A or B, having that handy... And being able to make that swap is actually a really neat tip. I need to start doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it works really, cool. it works really well. I think that a lot. One of the cards that I'm actually cycling into my Anafenza deck, I think, or at least I keep it next to my Anafenza deck, 
and also I have another copy of it, so I keep it with Athreos, is Elenda the Dusk Rose, right? Anafensa mm-hmm. cares about counters, and whenever another creature dies, put a counter on Elenda. So I'm going to figure out which card is not really performing well in Anafensa and just sub Elenda in and see what I can do with that. That would be fun. Yeah, and then creatures are dying all the time in in Athreos, and so even though she doesn't sacrifice another creature, it's it's a card that I think I'll eventually put in because she becomes a win con if I sacrifice enough creatures fast enough. Wee, which I'm always doing. That's a cool idea. I like that a lot, actually. That seems really fun. Oh, awesome. Yeah, no, that's the thing. There's always going to be like cards that you want to think about, and one of the other things you have cards you might want to think about replacing as well are cards that might just not fit your playstyle or are too strong for your group or are too mean. Like when I mm-hmm. first built my Titania deck, it had something like a dozen different land destruction cards in Ooh. there just because she was all about sacrificing land. So I had like, you know, Dust Bowl and Wasteland and Strip Mine <laughs> and Crucible. And I was like, oh, yeah. Wait. I turned myself into like just the biggest jerk wad <laughs> on the table because I'm just trying to make tree folk. But the way I do that is by destroying your mana base. So it was yeah. really a bad feeling. Shave them, so, embrace it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I have literally every land destruction land that was ever printed in this deck. Maybe Did you have I thermocline? Can... <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I have limits, but no, it was like, you know, ghost quarters and everything. And I was like, okay, maybe, Maybe I'm like three steps too far with this and should pull back. <laughs> I mean, it's important to look at your deck and sit there and say, okay, maybe I overbalanced in this. You're talking about being too uh, too mean. I took a Vorin Clex out of my deck for that very reason. It it just, it just yeah. was not fun. And when you talk about close cuts, I find when I put together my decks, I always end up with like with 105 to 110 cards. Those those cards go perfectly in the back of your deck box, ready to to get put in. That's right. That's exactly it. But then, where do you put your tokens? You get a bigger deck box. Fair. <laughs> you know, we we are this this brings up listeners. We will be talking about deck boxes in a an upcoming show, probably in April. But that's enough teasing in that right now. And one of the things I'll do. This is kind of strange, but sometimes I'll build a deck with only basic lands in it because I know that. These other cards do well, and some bounce lands, maybe if it's a dual dual colored deck, but essentially basic lands with no special lands in in the deck, right? And what I will do then is I'll figure out how the deck is supposed to play, and then I'll put lands in uh, to replace these basics so that I have more flexibility or mm. more speed or both. And so that means you might replace a basic land with a dual land of something, of some sort. A land that produces two different colors. And obviously the old revised and alpha and beta dual lands are and unlimited are, are too expensive, really, for most people to go out and buy. But shock lands are kind of approachable. Lands that check to see if you have another land in play, those are good. And really what you want to do is find the right balance of flexibility versus speed because if your deck needs speed you're not going to bring something you're not going to put a land in that comes into play tapped all the time and then utility lands right maybe you need a maze of if because you're getting beat up by some big beater maybe you need artifact reversion and so you get one of the lands that does that for you or creature recursion or some other utility that you just need one of your lands to do right arcane lighthouse is a great one it strips hexproof and and shroud from your opponent's uh, I was just about to mention there's a few lands that go in almost all my decks. I, I notice I don't play too much red. Like in all my black decks, a Bajuka Bog, yep. a Besiju Who Shelters All. I hate yep. my stuff being countered, and that's a beautiful card. It's just too bad it's expensive. Another yeah. one that uh, I really liked is, I think it's Shield of Amiria is the white land that brings yeah. creatures back from your graveyard if you have, I think it's six or more planes. Seven. Yeah. Seven, seven or more. Card. It's a great card. It, it's, it's... And also things like, you know, the storage land from Fallen Empires or, you know, yeah. your Cabal Coffers or your your uh, Urborgs. Yeah. Pendlehaven. And, and a really funny story about being new. When, when I was... <laughs> I love Pendlehaven. 
when I was putting together my Mariki deck, I was just doing searching on lands that I needed, like what land does what. And I came across Manamo School at Water's Edge, which is blue, blue tap and then untap. Yeah. And then I happened to see Caracas and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. No one's going to be able to. (laughs) So I, now I couldn't afford it at the time. So I just proxied it and and put it in. And I thought like I was the king. No one was going to touch me out. And this was like early on in my my commander career. (laughs) And then someone pointed out to me that there is a ban list in commander. And so for the next, it's actually still in there just to remind me not to get too excited sometimes because everyone, every time I play it, someone points out, well, that's banned. I go, yeah, it's just a planes. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah. I love, I love Caracas, but also that would completely destroy (laughs) commander. That would be the most miserable card. And that's exactly why I I think, why hasn't anybody else seen this? I'm the smartest guy in the, in the (laughs) world right now. Turns out I wasn't. Yeah, what's important is that you have access to resources that will let you, say, identify which cards are banned or be able to search out and see why people aren't using uh, a card that you just found, like Caracas. Like, <laughs> but the, <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I would hope that you would know that Bouncing Target Legend may not fly. Well, I, I did the same thing. First time I was playing Commander, I have a Caracas from Legends, and I was like, holy smokes. I can just use this? This will be awesome. And then somebody was like, no, 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 that's banned. And that's where I went for the first time. I went up to the official mtgcommander.net website. And so let's let's talk a little bit about some websites that we, we use all the time. Like in Commander, the the really the best website you're going to find is edhrec.com. Uh, those are our friends. Donald, he's been on our show. You can search for uh, his name on in on our webpage, and it'll come up. Jason Alt, who's the editor-in-chief, and Henry Stukenborg, Stukenborg, who is one of our patrons and somebody that we talk to all the time. In fact, I'm playing with him tomorrow. He's in Los Angeles. And we're oh, he's play. a real great guy. He is. He has a sarcastic biting wit that I love and I misunderstood for a little while. <laughs> the guy is amazing. But really, though, Edrek is effectively the beating heart and soul of our format. It's what did you call it? Edrek? EDHREC. You call it EDHREC. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't get, we're talking to new players, right? Fine, I guess. If you, nonetheless, EDHREC.com is actually one of the most fundamental resources you're going to find because it is such a good aggregate of the commander scene in general in terms yeah. of what's what most people are using, what general cards are important. And you don't need to copy a one-to-one because if you try to make a deck directly from there, it's not going to be too great. But it's such a cool source to find, like, you know, I can't find the one card I need that might yeah, fit yep. this. That site, somebody will have found it, and it'll be on there. And you'll be able to sit there and go, oh, of course I should be using this card. What a cool idea. Yeah. Now, listeners, as we go through some of these websites, make sure to let us know if we've missed one that you really, really dig, and we'll retweet it, or we'll talk about it in the next show. Um, and, David, do you use EDHREC? Uh, I do, just to see what other people are playing. It's just nice to see what cards could be missing, exactly like what Shivam said. Uh, I don't use it yeah. as extensively as others. It, it's a great resource, but I find I do most of my, my deck building just by searching for singular cards or keywords or yeah. sets or themes or something like that. And listeners, so you know, Donald Miner, who created the website, was really kind of tired of having to scour the internet to find examples of decks that do all of the things we've been talking about, like find that right card. So what he did was he created this website that kind of scours and aggregates uh, new decks input on tappedout and deckstats.net and maybe a couple of other places by now. And he kind of algorithmically generates, based on how frequently the cards are used, like what the top quote-unquote average deck looks like. And it's a wonderful site. Go there. You'll end up reading the articles. We have a lot of people associated with the show who write articles there. And it's just a fantastic way to get an example of like, well, I've heard of Nekrasar. What does the Nekrasar deck do? And it'll tell you. You have to use that (laughs) voice, though, when you're looking up Nekrasar. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys use Scryfall to search out cards? So Scryfall is what I wish Gatherer was. Gatherer being the official Watsi. Uh, card search engine it's fantastic scryfall has the most intense filters i've ever seen you can filter by artist you can filter by watermark you can filter by cards that have hats on them 
And I'm not even joking about that. It's absurd how much intense detail they put into sorting magic cards. And especially for folks like us who play EDH, we love to bling our decks out with the most specific, random, one-off promos that were ever made. Scryfall, unlike Gatherer, unlike all the other sites, actually has all of these. And yeah. beautiful high quality. It's a fabulous search engine. We were debating which card had been reprinted the most number of times in our patron $10 and above donor uh, chat group. It turns out that, I don't know if it's the most number of printings, but if you count all the promo printings, Swords to Plowshares has been printed 35 times. What? And, really? Swords? Yeah. And we thought it was seven. Like, if you just look on Gatherer, it says 17 times. But actually, it's 35 times, according to Scryfall. If you count all the media, judge promos, special one-offs, and so on. That's so bonkers. Yeah. I would have never imagined that. Swords? Really? Wow. And so you can thank Scryfall for that little piece of trivia. Another fine search engine because it, it lists all of the languages and that's really helpful. Mm. Um, magiccards.info. I like Have them been a lot there? as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the one. I didn't know Scryfall existed until uh, I started talking to you. Magiccards.info is the one that I used to put together most of my stuff because it has much of the same things that uh, Scryfall does. Yeah. Not as much detail, though. I'll say that much. Magiccards.info is just as good as Scryfall in a lot of different respects. The art is great. And like Phil says... It's got all the different language printings, which is super cool. Yeah, it's really cool when you're like, what languages was this printed in? And you and you need that German version of a special hey, mountain. Russian foil stomping grounds. Make a statement. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We talked about Gatherer. Gatherer used to be a really good search engine, but it has fallen down recently, especially since in <sighs> 2014 when they redesigned the websites, they disabled the comments and... I just don't understand it. But it's still a pretty popular resource, and if you search for a magic card, it's probably one of the top searches. So go back and read the old comments. It's it's really good. It used to be a vibrant community. I, I find Gatherer is hard to search with. Yeah, it really is. But it's, it's the place to go if you want to figure out what a card truly does. It's got yeah. all the oracle text. It's got all the rulings. And that's actually more useful than you would think it is. Yeah. If you're actually lucky enough, some of the random cards have really insightful comments from folks like Aaron Forsyth who went and wrote like essays in random comments of random cards about what they do. And it's always fun to dig through that. Yeah, absolutely. But if you're trying to build your deck though, EDH rec is definitely the place to start. Yep. Yeah. So these are the ones that we use a lot. We frequently will visit MTG wiki if we want to know more about either a card or some story or or some of the lore rather even our guest bios <laughs> Frequently, if a guest doesn't provide us with a bio, we'll go up there and we'll be like, who is Aaron Forsyth? And there's that voice again <laughs> for the Necrosaur. And, uh, and it'll, it'll tell us all that. Another frequent visit is um, Sheldon Menery's column on StarCityGames.com. Sheldon Menery is one of the, he's, what is it, the EDH godfather, right? And we've had him on the show numerous times, including recently. And he's just a wonderful resource for all things Commander, including his decks and how he updates them. And we'll provide links to all of these in the show notes. A friend of the show, Bruce Richard, he's also an amazing article writer. Just somebody you should be reading. Yeah, he's he been writing magic article. content for years and years and yes. years. He's a real sweet guy and he's really, really pleasant. And he's done so much work for like just EDH and just casual play in general. Yeah, absolutely. He's a big casual play guy, and he's a champion of that. He even runs sealed events on pre-release weekends for a bunch of school kids. It's Which awesome. is so cool. Yeah. Another long-term contributor to the community, one of the pillars, like Bruce Richard and Sheldon, Benny Smith. Yes. Literally wrote the book on Commander. Yes, with MJ Scott, who is an amazing flavor text writer and cosplay queen, if you will. Yeah. We're going to be doing a joint event with her at GP Seattle, actually, Commander and Cosplay. But uh, Benny Smith, great resource. Absolutely. Benny's articles are fantastic and have been like the source of so many ideas for me for uh, decks that I want to build or I have built. And on Twitter, he's been an incredible resource as well. It's just like I read his whole book about Commander before I joined this podcast, before I started doing anything else, just because I was like, Somebody loved this enough to want to write about it. I need to know. And it was great. It's a little out of date. I mean, some of the card examples are a little old, 
But it doesn't matter because the fundamentals that he talks about in that book are just fantastic. And anybody who's actually listening to this for advice about New Commander, I really cannot recommend Benny's book about Commander uh, highly enough. Yeah, we will provide a link to that just because it's yeah. it's a necessary part of playing Commander. In fact, they were talking about maybe they would update it because the cards are... It was written in the days when when Prosh was new. It definitely shows its age a smidge, but just the fundamentals are just solid. Yeah. And there are many others, listeners, and so please let us know what your favorite websites are. Now, David, you have one that you came to earlier, right? What is that Dexbox.org. I luckily enough came across it when I first started playing within like a month or two. Within it, I have my entire collection of cards inventoried, what set they're from, if they're foil or not, damage, mint condition. And on top of that, you can also build your decks. And when you look up a card, it'll say, okay, this card is in this deck and this is the name of the deck. And you click on that, you go to the deck itself. It's, it's a great resource to maintain a collection if you've already started entering the information. If you're an old timer, like some other people I know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's too late. It's, you just turn around, walk away. It's far too late. <laughs> yeah. Like I've got like, you know, hundreds of thousands of cards in my back room over there. And I forget who it was. I think it was Marshall who said once that when I need to build a new deck, I just go out and buy the card rather than <laughs> try to dig through my collection to find it. And I feel that's a little bit like, you know, the people who, instead of washing dishes, go and just buy a brand new set. But sometimes when you look at, like, your collection after it's been building up for a couple of years, it's really intimidating to have to dig through to find that one. Yeah. Like, yesterday, I was sorting through a pile on my desk, and I found three Chandras. Three Chandra Torture Defiances that are just sitting on my desk for, like, six months. <laughs> I was just like, this is silly. Yeah. I have a problem. <laughs> so that sounds like a great website, If especially if you're growing your collection. We'll include a link to that as well. One of the other resources, and these very often have their own web page, and we are particularly partial to these, aren't we, gentlemen? It's podcasts. And Never obviously you're them. listening to us right now or watching us on YouTube, and we'll get to YouTube in a moment, but you should be listening to a variety of podcasts. And one of the ones that's just an inspiration to all of us, and they set the bar in terms of quality and tightness of show and staying on topic, is the Command Zone. Everybody listening to us probably listens to them already. These guys are a pillar in the community, and Josh and Jimmy are just such nice people individually, and in fact introduced us to Shivam. It was because of their Commander meetup at GPLA that I even met Phil and the commander in crew and yeah. it was like awesome and we hit it off and it's great and now I'm here talking about how amazing the man zone is <laughs> I mean I'm not gonna lie those guys are the gold standard not just for commander podcasts yeah they are but for magic podcasts you can't say enough good things about what good people they are and what good shows they put out and yeah, I'm just glad really to are. be in the same breath it's funny because I felt like we were tagging along to that. Nate and I were at GPLA that year and we ended up meeting you and I got to talking to you and realized, holy smokes, this guy is fantastic. That led to the diversity show and then hosting us. One of the other podcasts that we listen to all the time and we have them on our show, Commander's Brew. Those guys, Andy and Sean, they're fantastic. Sweetheart. Their show, if you are on a budget, or just getting into this and don't know if you want to stick it out, they brew every week, they brew a $50 or lower deck, right? Every card in it, all together, under $50. It's amazing that they do this. They're also really good for finding those kind of janky cards. They'll mention a card every episode where I have to... <laughs> it, in the middle of driving my car on Los Angeles freeways, I will type it into my search engine you know, uh, and look it up and be like, what? I've never seen that card. I don't even know what set this is from. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> They're super awesome guys, and I just admire what they do. They're able to put together one or more decks every week under $50. That's not easy. Yeah, they're funny. Yeah, they're funny. They're funny. And uh, they, uh, Commander's Brew and Commander had started at about the same time, and Command Zone started about a year before we did, so... One of the newer podcasts that really is kind of, you know, it's up and coming. These guys are great. Is The Brothers War. We mentioned them earlier. Ryan Green and CJ and AJ. 
Uh, Ryan's also a patron of the show. Thank you very much, Ryan. <laughs> but these guys will tackle a particular topic and they'll talk about it. And true to form, the show is The Brothers War and they will generally argue back and forth. I don't know how they manage to pick topics week after week where they can take the opposing view like that, but they do. Former co-host of this show releases a uh, every couple of weeks will release a, a new episode for Commander Time. And he and a couple of the guys that we've played a lot of games with managed to turn that out. They'll sometimes go into strategic depth, but it's a very lighthearted approach to Commander. Commander Clinic is another show. He only has a couple of episodes out, but Russell, who also is one of our patrons, is doing a great job with that. Russell is incredibly intelligent, has a lot of really cool decks, and I hope he sticks with uh, making that podcast because it's really great to hear another voice in, in our community. Yeah. And Russell, you're probably listening to this and turning red right now, but keep making your show. It's really good. You have a lot to say. You're a great deck builder. Yeah. Our frequent guest on our show is Jason Alt, and he's one of the hosts of Brainstorm Brewery. Mm -hmm. I, it's so hard for me to say the word brewery. It gets worse when I drink. Um, but these guys, they talk about uh, Magic the Gathering finance, and it's fantastic. They are funny. They're a little bit salty. It's not a family-friendly show. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. But these guys are worth listening. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Brewery. I mean, they take a no-holds-barred look at Magic. That's There's no nostalgia glasses. There's no... Like, when I watch... When I talk about Magic, it's got a lot of glow and happiness and stuff. These guys are just, like, straight to the the heart of it. And it's a viewpoint that I would never come up with myself. So it's really interesting yeah. to hear. And then if you are a Vorthos or someone who really likes the Magic story... Tune in to Voice of All podcast. That's where uh, Gendo Keshi will, uh, he actually assembles a cast and they all read the magic stories that are published in different voices. He has background sound effects, music, does amazing job on cool. that. Does an amazing job on that. It's worth listening to. I'd also like to mention a second Vorthos podcast that literally just started about a month ago, maybe they're on episode two or three, called The Vorthos Cast, which <laughs> uh, it stars uh, three of my Twitter friends, Jay, Sev8, and uh, Vronos, who are just like maybe the hardest core vo Vorthoses you know. I mean, yeah. I'm a hardcore Vorthos too, and these guys make me feel like I should be on a new to Vorthos podcast because <laughs> they just blow me out of the water. And they've been just talking story and detail and depth about the cards and the connections and it's fantastic and if you're yeah. just like if you love that side of magic that is worth your time they're relatively new and i met carrie who's vronos at oh, uh, gp great. vegas yeah he plays a mean deck it was very funny he uh <laughs> well i'm not going to go into the anecdotes but uh it was a very fun game yeah carrie great they're all great it's a great podcast David, you should jump in. Do you have anything you, you want to have add? You have mentioned all the ones that I listen to, as well as a few that I'm going to start listening to now. Yeah, there's only uh, two more podcasts I'd like to mention. One is obviously Mark Rosewater's Drive to Work, which is basically the fundamental magic podcast, because it's yeah. from the guy who makes magic. Half an hour to an hour, give or take. And if you want to know literally everything you've ever wanted to know about magic from the source, that is a podcast to listen to. Yeah. He's the lead for exploratory design, and he's been there for 23 years. Yeah, homie knows his magic. And then Magic the Amateuring, who are Megan and Maria, two absolutely wonderful people who talk about magic from a new perspective every week. They don't really talk about Commander a lot, but they definitely talk about all the other formats of magic that are just fabulous and worth listening to. They're funny, and they're witty, and they're really great to help you get into the game. Yeah. Uh, limited resources because they are the godfathers of magic podcasting. You already listened to them. You know what Marshall's about. Last one, Tap Tap Concede from Loading Ready Run. They do talk about Commander and Highlander and stuff, and they're funny. But that's all I got. Those are the podcasts you should be listening to. Your commute should be about three hours long. Yeah. Or at least mine is, but that's because I live in San Francisco. Now, the final resource that you want to use because you'll get a lot of tips, YouTube. Right. YouTube's a mm -hmm. great, great source of information. And, you know, our friends at the Command Zone also do the Game Nights. It's officially sponsored by Wizards of the Coast, by the way. And you'll see them every episode. They play at least one full game of Commander. And 
It's put together incredibly well. It's like watching a reality TV show. And it's no surprise because Josh Lee Kwai is a video editor who has worked on professional videos. Yeah, Star Wars videos. It's been great. It's the most professional content you're ever going to see from Magic. Let's be real. Yeah, it really is. It's professional content. It sets the bar. If you're not watching Game Nights, I don't know what you're doing. You should just stop right now and go watch it. Not while you're driving. (laughs) (laughs) Another great video series is uh, Commander Versus. Those guys are fantastic. And they were really the first one to do any kind of Commander videos, at least long term. And so every week or so, they have a game where they pit four commanders against each other and just duke it out. And we have actually had a deck on their show. Another friend, uh, he, he's been on our show, episode 14, is the Talarian Community College. The professor is just amazingly funny. Started by doing, and still does, reviews of products that we all use, like sleeves, deck boxes, binders, all sorts of things. He's a good person to watch. We really encourage you to watch him. Yeah, Talarian Community College covers everything about magic, from editorial all the way to deck building, Commander, EDH, Highlander, Popper, whatever you want. He's got a video or 30 videos about it. Yeah. And even some purely entertaining videos oh, where yeah. they make fun his, of something happening. His card previews are the best. I absolutely adore them. There are many other YouTube channels, but no list of YouTube channels would be complete without a mention of the Mana Source. Wedge there, he's an absolutely friendly guy. He knows his magic. He doesn't spend a lot of time with Commander, but when we when news is happening in the magic community, that's the first place I go. Because he... I don't know how he does this because we can barely produce an audio show every week. He produces multiple videos and usually it's entirely about events that are maybe a couple of hours old. And he's really good. In fact, I've I've been at events where I hear something has happened and I go to the mana source and there's Wedge. He's telling us all about it. So we will try to publish this list somehow of all these people we've we've uh, <laughs> wonderful resources we've spoken about. Is there anything you want to add, David, before we say goodbye once again, or should we say adieu? Until at next this point, time? no. You have you have touched on every single resource that I have used, whether video or podcast. This is the list that you should be using if you want to get informed and, and get better. It is really late where you are, and I thought at one point when we were going through the list of podcasts that perhaps. We had lulled you into uh, a deep sleep. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here trying not to move and make noise. <laughs> uh, drum chairs, listeners, drum chairs. That's what we recommend. Listeners, you rock. <laughs> we hope that you and some of the new players in your lives, if you are a new player, you yourself have gotten something from the series. We will undoubtedly revisit it as... We learn new things about Commander because we never stop learning. And David, thank you so much for the idea, for making the time. You've spent now something like seven or eight hours with us. You poor guy. Yeah, you poor guy. You've heard it raw. (laughs) Technical issues, everything. You name it. I have a healthy respect for you guys now, knowing what you guys do behind (laughs) the scenes. I, I had always imagined the podcast was just a bunch of bros just sitting down and, and having a chat. It is far more work than I than I ever thought possible. <laughs> yeah, uh, not many people get to see behind the scenes like this because you hear the original and then you hear the, the final produced version. And we're nothing like Command Zone or Game Nights, but we put a lot of time into making it. And it shows. Good. Oh, well, thank you. It is much easier when someone like you comes along who has a wonderful <laughs> voice, buttery, buttery Why, voice. Thank you. <laughs> and also knows the topic and has a presence. And yeah, so it's great. Thank you for coming on. How can people find you? Uh, well, once again, I'm not widely available on social yeah. media. So really the only place if you want to talk to me is on the, uh, the, the commander in Patreon chat which is well worth the money, guys. So support these people. They, they are a very good resource. Uh, thank you. That's awesome. I forgot you did that last time. Too. <laughs> yeah, so listeners, come join David on the patron chat group on Facebook. It's really easy to join. You just donate 
$10 or more per show to us, and you get to enter and chat with us. And we chat an awful lot there. Work's been kicking my butt recently, but I know Sean and Shiva are in all the time, and usually I am too, and I'll be coming back. In the yeah, and I was party to a GIF war recently. <laughs> yes, you were. A couple. Shots were fired multiple times. It's a good place. It's a lot of fun. They're really good people in there. But goodness yeah. gracious, do they talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because we're usually among the chattiest people there. Oh, yeah. I mean, not going to lie, we have an opinion. That's why yeah. we're on a podcast. <laughs> so thank you, listeners, and especially thank you, patrons, for your continued support. We couldn't do it without you. David, I know this comes up on you. It surprises you like some kind of lurking chupacabra um every episode but hopefully this time you're ready with taking us out commander in where caracas ought to be legal (laughs) (laughs) whoa 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 i stand behind that (laughs) i can get behind that Go, Mandarin!